Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, guys, we're going through the Gospel of Matthew and, you know, we've worked our way through chapter 3 and now into chapter 4. We're up to chapter 5 now. We're going to approach a section of Scripture that's commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. And why it's called that is because you're going to see as we begin this passage, Jesus is with his disciples. He's got many people following him. He's up on a mountain, and he sits down to teach them. And so he gives this long sermon, which actually goes for about three chapters, about the kingdom. And he kind of tells us about who's in the kingdom, how to live in the kingdom, and he kind of tells us what we need to know about the kingdom. Now the problem is this. Here's the problem. We've got some wrong concepts. You and I, especially if you've been in church a long time, you and I can develop concepts about God's kingdom and involvement in the kingdom based upon not what we read in the scripture, but based upon our culture or our church culture. And so I want to talk about two specific wrong concepts this morning before we get into the passage. The first one is this. We, I kind of mentioned it already, we look at God's kingdom in terms of our culture. We look at God's kingdom in terms of our culture. You and I, when we think about God's economy, you understand what I mean by an economy? We think about God's way of doing things, the way he operates and so forth. We have a tendency to think about that God operates or that the kingdom operates the way our culture operates. And the way our culture operates, we have a complete understanding about that, right? You've got to do to achieve. You've got to have status to achieve. You've got to have status to be accepted. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed when you watch TV and you're watching the newscast, how perfect the people are that are presenting the news to you? You've never seen somebody really ugly, right? Our concept of our culture is, is perfection. You've got to look good. You've got to have the right stuff. But the problem is, is that we think in terms of that in light of God's kingdom. We think in terms of God's acceptance or God's blessing being in the same way that we're blessed or, or acceptance in our culture. And we have this wrong concept. And some of you here are defeated by that. Because you're looking at your life and you're saying, wait a minute, now hold on a second. If that's the standard, then I'm never going to be accepted by God because I've messed up. I've royally made a mess. And there's no way I can take it back. Have you ever tried to take back what you did wrong? You can't do it, can you? But the problem is, is that we're viewing God's kingdom in light of, listen to me, in light of our culture. That's where we go wrong. Here's the second thing I want you to see. We're confused about who's eligible for the kingdom. This is a question that the Jews struggled with in Jesus' day because in Jesus' day they had these religious folks, the Pharisees, who really put on a good show. Do you know what I mean? They, they were pretty perfect in their attendance to the synagogue. They did all the right things. They could quote scripture. They, they were, in fact, they were the middle class moral people of their society. And it was very confusing because 
they were the ones who kind of showed what righteousness was, or supposedly was, and what acceptance with God was. And so there you are, just a normal average person, maybe you've messed up, and you've got questions in your mind, You hear, especially when you hear Jesus coming along and teaching about the kingdom. You've got questions in your mind as to who's eligible. Who's eligible? Who's able to get into this kingdom? And that's what we wrestle with today. In fact, folks, sometimes you'll wrestle with, even though you maybe have put your faith and trust in Jesus, the reality is that sometimes you'll wrestle because of things you do wrong, and you wonder, well, does he still love me? Does he still care for me? Have I messed up enough now? So these are the two wrong concepts we deal with. We look at things in terms of our culture, and it's only natural. Do you know what I'm saying? It's only natural. I mean, I'm going to be practicing our culture today. You know, like I got the kids' report cards, and one of the one of the habits in my household is, okay, you got some good grades, we're going to go get ice cream. We reward for good behavior, right? And so that's our culture. And my kids are happy that I am going to apply that today as we go to the meadows, you know, and buy them their big ice creams. But that's not how God operates. So how does he operate, George? Well, I think it's interesting because when we start off in Matthew chapter 5, the first 12 verses, it's what's known as the Beatitudes. This few verses, eight statements, are known as the Beatitudes, the blessings. Blessed is this one. Blessed is that one. And you know, typically when you read through the Bible... You just kind of read through them real quick, and it doesn't really connect with what's going on here, what's being said. But that's what we're going to focus on today. We're going to focus on these statements of blessing. And why is that so important for you and I to understand? Why is that so important for you and I to grasp? Because we need to get our mind wrapped around what God's economy is. We need to get our mind wrapped around upon how God does things. So I want you to hear these statements. Listen to me. Let's look together. Here's what Matthew says. Look with me at verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Folks, what we're going to do is we're going to look at these verses, specifically in verses 3 through 12, and we're going to see here eight things. Eight things that, eight conditions, I should say. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. Conditions. Eight spiritual conditions in the lives of people and how in God's economy, in God's way of operating, in God's world, in the kingdom, they're blessed. Because again, I want you to understand, we're trying to answer the question, 
Who's eligible? That's the question they wrestled with in Jesus' day. Because let's be honest, we see so much that's portrayed there as far as what spirituality is, right? You can turn on a TV and you see one form there. Or you can have a friend who goes to another church and you see a form there. And you could be confused. And it's especially confusing if you've messed up. If you've sinned. If you're marked. And what I mean by that is, you remember, remember in high school we had to read Nathaniel Hawthorne's Scarlet Letter? Remember that? Some of you don't want to remember that, okay? But you remember how she had to wear the big A on her chest to tell everybody? About, and some of you, you, you're walking around with some scarlet, invisible letter on your chest for whatever it is that you did wrong, and you've got questions. You've got questions in your mind. Am I eligible? Is, is the, where am I in the kingdom? Where do I fit? Well, let's look at these together. And what we're going to see here is that God's way of doing things is definitely not our way. Let's look at the first one. Look with me at verse 3. Look at what he says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Here's the first thing I want you to see here. The first thing is that the kingdom belongs to the spiritually desperate. The kingdom belongs to the spiritually desperate. So remember, in our, current, in our economy, in the way that we operate in our culture, it's all about who's got their act together, right? It's all about whether or not you have your act together, whether you got your stuff together, whether you know what you're doing, where you're heading, what you're going on. You, you got your stuff together, but in God's economy, it's not that way. What's accepted and the one who's blessed is the one who's spiritually desperate. What does that mean, George? Spiritual desperation is coming to a place in your life where you recognize you can't do it. You're not able to get yourself out of your problem. You're not able to take care of yourself. You're not able to remove the guilt and the shame. You're not able to even have be blessed in any way. You just come to him and say, I'm here. It's like Jesus said in the Gospels about two people who came. One was a Pharisee and one was a tax collector. And the Pharisee looked up and said, I thank God I did all this and I'm not like this dude behind me. And the tax collector couldn't even look up to heaven and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, who, who, who's the one who's righteous here? It's the spiritually desperate See, in God's economy, coming to an end of yourself, not having your act together is a plus. Not having it all together, being honest with yourself. We can be dishonest with ourselves sometimes, can't we? I mean, we're good actors. We come in here and we look, we look good because we're in church. And what we're doing is we're really covering up what's the mess on the inside. It's, Spiritual desperation is being honest about your mess to God. He says you're blessed. Happy. Another word for blessedness is happy. The kingdom, that's what's acceptable in the kingdom is coming to a place where you don't have your act together. And that's okay. That's okay. Here's the second thing I want you to see here. Look with me, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. What's he talking about here, George? Well, comfort will be found by those who mourn. 
Comfort will be found by those who mourn. Now let me just stop for a moment. What mourning is he talking about here, George? Is he talking about someone who's mourning a loss or is grieving in some way? Yeah, well, it's possible that the verse is talking about that. But when you look at the context of what he's talking about here, he's actually talking about something more than just mourning a loss. He's talking about mourning something else here. Mourning your sin. Do you know what I mean by that? Do you know what I mean by mourning your sin? How many of you, I mean, don't raise your hands. We're not, I really don't want to know your stuff. But I want you to think for a moment, think in your mind for a moment. How many of you, you are haunted by something you've done? You don't need to think too long about the sin. It's right there. And it grieves you. Do you know what I mean? It grieves you. When you when you see the person that maybe you've sinned against, it grieves you. You are constantly reminded. Nobody else, and you walk around, and, and you're good. You don't walk around with, oh, I've got a problem. You, you've learned how to bury it over time. Do you know what I mean by that? You've learned how to bury it, but inside your heart of hearts, you are broken over it. You wish... I mean, you're desperate. You wish you had a time machine. You could go back and just do it all over again and not do whatever it is that happened. Do you know what I'm saying? That's called mourning over your sin. And here's what Jesus says. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. See, do you, you kind of get the idea of what's going on here? In God's economy, I think there's one big word you need to grasp here. It's called honesty. And the blessing comes to those who are honest. The first one, what? Blessed are those who are spiritually desperate, right? Blessed are those who are mourning for their sin. It's talking about that the blessing of the kingdom, you will be blessed in the kingdom if this is your heart condition. If your heart condition is being real before God, God, I am a mess. I am desperate for you. God, I carry the burden of the stuff that I've done wrong. And I can't do anything about it. That's mourning, isn't it? Because you look at the consequences. And you wish, you just wish for something more, right? Here's the, here's the third one. Look with me. I think it's verse 5. Look at what he says here. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What's he talking about meek here? Well, well, let me just stop for a moment. When we, you and I in our culture, when we think of somebody being meek, we think of somebody who's kind of a wimp. You know what I'm saying? Somebody who's kind of like, you know, I remember, you remember the, uh, you gotta be older. Remember the comics back in the 60s and the 70s on the back? There was a, a, a little extra comic there about some, it was for lifting weights or muscles or doing something and a guy kind of kicked sand on a guy and he was kind of wimpy, a meek guy until he got this weightlifting program. So the next time sand got kicked in his face, he was okay. You remember those comics? Charles Atlas, that's right, Charles Atlas, that's right, Bruce. You and I read those comics, Bruce, okay? All right, so that's our concept of meek. That's not the biblical concept of meek. 
The word that's used for meek there is used, translated in three other places in the New Testament as gentle. It's talking about somebody who's humble. And so what he's saying here is this, is the meek and humble will receive the promised inheritance. What do you mean the promised inheritance? It says they'll inherit the earth. That's the promised inheritance. The new earth. When you, in fact, it's interesting. If you can do a parallel study between the Beatitudes that can go over to Revelation chapter 20 and 21, you'll see many things that are correlated there as far as what we'll receive in the new heaven and the new earth in eternity. It's all the benefits of being in the kingdom. So what he's talking about here, again, is honesty, that you come before God in gentleness, not in arrogance. You come before God in meekness, in humility, recognizing who you really are. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's, it's like coming before him. Here's George. Coming before him and saying, God, you know, I'm a mess. I got my stuff. I don't know what to do with. And it's only because of you, Jesus. See, that's humility. It's, there's nothing in me that can, can, can gain your favor or your blessing, Lord. Nothing. Let's look at verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. What's he talking about here? Spiritual longings will be satisfied. In the kingdom, being a part of the kingdom is, is knowing that the spiritual longings that you have, and let me just go ahead and tell you, we all have them. Every single one of you has a spiritual longing. You may not recognize that, and for some of you the intensity of that may be more than for others, but the reality is, is that your spiritual longings for something more from God can only be satisfied by who? Christ. In the kingdom. And blessed are you because for those of you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. You will be satisfied in the person of Jesus. That's reality. And he goes on here. One, one more. Look here. Look at verse 7. And blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Again, this is God's economy. In our economy, it's completely different. Mercy doesn't even enter into its dog-eat-dog world. You do what you got to do for yourself because nobody else is going to do it for you. But listen to what God says. Mercy will be shown to those who show mercy. Again, it's talking about a spirit here. It's talking about a disposition of a person. It's talking about the way that we treat each other. It's talking about honesty, because here's the thing. You know what I've noticed? I've noticed, you know, I've been saved now 30 years. I've been a believer in Christ 30 years. 30 years ago, freshman engineering student at the University of South Carolina came to Christ. In those early years, I hate to say it, I was pretty judgmental. I was a pretty judgmental dude. I'll just be flat out honest with you. I didn't have any tolerance of anybody else's stuff, because here's what I realized. I didn't have a full grasp of my own stuff. Because when you fully grasp your own stuff, you can be merciful to other people. I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. Because if you're coming from it from a position of pride, you ain't got no problems. 
But everybody else does, so you're judgmental of them. When you come to a place where you recognize it's only because of Jesus and nothing that you have, and that you're messed up, you can be merciful to people. Because you realize that just like you, they need Jesus. And see, in God's economy, it's completely reversed from our own economy, and it's not a dog-eat-dog world. He's saying it's blessed are those who will show mercy to others because they'll receive mercy. And isn't that what Jesus tells us? Isn't that what the apostles tell us? That we're to forgive as we have what? Been forgiven? This is God's economy. This is how the kingdom works. Come on, let's, we've got to continue on because I know I've got more points than I normally do in a message here. Let, let, let's, look, let's look here. Look, here's the, here's the next one. I think this is interesting. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. What's he saying here? A purified heart will see God. He said, okay, George, hold on, hold on, hold on. Up to this point, up to this point, you had me. You got, I, I was seeing it, but I'm going to be flat out. There is no way, no way possible that I can purify my way. Because you don't know, and you don't understand, and you don't comprehend the depth of my stuff. Let me just say right now. That's right. I don't know your stuff. But you don't understand God's economy. Because in God's economy, it's not you who purifies. It's Christ who purifies your heart. It's Christ who takes your sin from you. It's Christ who covers your sin. It's Christ who gives you a new name. It's Christ who clothes you in righteousness. Not your own, but his righteousness. It's Christ. Did you understand what I'm saying? And the reason why, in God's economy, it's not up to you. And there's nothing you can do to gain it. It's because of him, and because of him, you will be purified. You are purified. You are justified. We just talked about this this morning at Sunday school, that it's by our faith that we're justified. And you're pure in heart. You are pure in heart, and you will one day see God. What do you mean? What do you mean by that, George? Well, remember I told you, just, just hold your, hold your place over in Matthew, Matthew 5. Go with me real quick. I want you to go just turn over real quick to Revelation. Chapter Listen to this. I think when I, this is what's coming. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and they will be and, and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, no more sorrow, nor crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Behold, he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I will make all things new. And he said to me, Write these things, for these words are faithful and true. If you go on further, 
It, it lets you know that God himself, we will see his face. We'll see him. Now, let's just stop for a moment. What's, what's the difference? Because we know from Scripture, you and I can't see him now because of what? Sin. But who's the one who purifies you? Christ. Isn't that a blessing? I don't really care what you've done or haven't done. Some of you look at your failures as disqualifying you. The stuff that you didn't do. I don't care what any of that is. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, he's the one who purifies you. And you will one day see God. Isn't that a blessing? That's God's economy. That's so contrary to, to our culture because only the elite can see the elite, right? Only the people who've got it together can, can move the next step. Look with me, verse 9. Again, he's talking about a disposition here. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? The sons of God. Boy, I think this is one really the church needs to listen to today, especially in light of the culture and the culture wars and stuff. It says, those who seek peace will be called God's children. Those who seek peace will be called God's children. Folks, that is so important for you and I to grasp and understand. Seeking peace. Being a peacemaker. But so many of us, we want our way, and, and this is the way it should be, and I'll fight for that. And yeah, But look at what's called the sons of God here. In God's kingdom, it's completely different, isn't it? In fact, many times, remember, many times in the gospel, Jesus was, was said if, if, if he wanted to establish his kingdom by might, he could do that. He could call down angels, and, and the reality is, is that it would be over. It would be done. But that's just not his way of approaching this world and culture right now. One day he'll come with his armies. But right now, blessed are those who are peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. In fact, he goes one step, and I think it's interesting, it almost kind of lines up, those who are seeking peace, because the next thing kind of tells us that life isn't going to be easy here. What do you mean? Look with me, verse 10 and 11. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and do exceedingly glad, for great is the reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Here's what I want you to see. Suffering for the kingdom will bring heavenly reward. In God's kingdom, you know, some people can look at it and say, oh, that's a waste that they're going through that. It's a waste of a life. It's too bad they're struggling there. But you know what? You're looking at it in terms of the world's economy. You're looking at it in terms of the way the culture operates today. It doesn't seem that way. The reality is it's like when you see 21 Christians, Egyptian Christians who are executed on a beach by ISIS. God says they'll have their reward. See, this is God's economy. And it's so upside down from the way we do things, isn't it? 
It's so upside down from the way our concept of the worlds are. And, and when you really think about it, who's really eligible? I'll tell you who's eligible. The one who's desperate for God, who has a realistic perspective of himself, and who comes to God and places himself at God's mercy because of Jesus, not because of himself. That's the one who's blessed. That's what's being said here. That's what the kingdom of God is. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.